you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, and come have your way among us, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Amen. From the rising to the setting sun, His love endures forever. He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing it out. Sing praise. With the mighty, with the mighty hand and outstretched arms. His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, amen. Sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, and forever God is strong, and forever God is with us, forever and ever. Forever, from the rising to the setting sun, His love endures forever, and by the grace of God we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing it out, church. Sing praise. And forever God is with us, forever and ever, forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Forever God is faithful. And forever God is strong, and forever God is with us, forever and ever, 
and forever God is faithful, and forever God is strong, and forever God is with us, forever and ever, forever. Amen. Amen. Hey, you believe that tonight? Amen. Do you really believe God is faithful? Why don't we blow the roof off of this place? Why don't we just lift it up and sing that song again? I mean, our students just got in here tonight, and I mean, God is with us, and let's just lift this song up to Him tonight. Forever God is faithful. Is He faithful to you? Are you ready to celebrate that and to thank Him and to praise Him? He is worthy of our praise. Let's sing it again. And give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, His love endures forever. Yeah. 
Aren't you glad you came tonight? He is faithful to us. I'm Alan Scott, pastor of Trinity Church of the Nazarene, and uh, we are glad that you have come together as a cluster and as a college together. This is a great time, a family gathering that has combined our uh, tradition of family gathering and camp meeting and uh, the opening convention here at Nazarene Bible College. This has been a great time together, and we're glad you all came. We hope you'll be back here tomorrow night at 7.15 as uh, we will be having our concluding service. This has been a great time, and uh, Dr. Heck, you have certainly ministered to us each time. And uh, we're looking forward tonight and also till tomorrow night. So I hope you plan to come. hope you plan to bring a lot of people with you because this is going to be a great closing service, and we want you to be here for that. We want you to know that... Uh, This is a time of fellowship as well when we gather together like this, an opportunity for you to just share that love of Jesus with those who you don't always get to worship with as we gather together as churches together. So I want us to have a moment to at least say hello to somebody nearby that you haven't said hello to tonight. And you might have to not only tell them your name, you might have to tell them what church you're attending and... You might want to tell them a little bit about yourself and find out if it's a student next to you or perhaps it's uh, someone who's uh, not a student uh, who is here tonight. But let's take a moment and just greet those around. Would you stand with me and find someone you haven't introduced yourself to? Yeah. 
all day I teach eighth grade and eighth graders let me tell you what a blessed 
and I came here going, Lord, I'm so tired. I've been talking all day. But he's faithful. And I came, and we prayed for his Holy Spirit to be here, and he has come. I just praise his name for that. Amen. Would you pray with me? And now, God, our eternal Father, we have come to the moment of the sharing of your word. You have prepared us in worship, and we give you praise for our worship leaders as they have dug up the ground where the seed is to be planted tonight, Lord God. Father, we pray for the messenger you have called. We pray that you would bless him with a special anointing to speak to men and women tonight who are called to serve you. Father, whether we are community members or whether we are students, faculty, and staff of this institution, we are all called to share the word of God. But first, we must set down the nets and heed the call of our Lord and Savior to do the work that he has set about for us to do. Father, we pray your blessing upon this time of worship and the word tonight. We pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, Lord, as we have worshiped and glorified you and you have blessed us with your presence and the knowledge of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would speak individually to us through that blessed Holy Spirit in our hearts as Dr. Heck shares tonight. God, as always, we pray that the words of your heart would truly be the words in the mouth of your servant tonight. Hide him behind the cross, Lord, that he may glorify you through the preaching of the word. We thank you just now and commit the rest of this time to you. In Jesus' precious name and God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Just before Dr. Heck comes to speak tonight, I just felt like that I should share this with uh, you who have gathered here tonight. Um, Last year, our students uh, called every Nazarene church in the USA during the month of September and collected prayer requests from the churches. And then in the first week of October, we had a 24-7 prayer emphasis here on campus where we took a notebook that must have been this thick and prayed through those requests. We have students doing that again. Some of them are in here tonight, I think. Jenny, are you in here tonight? Anybody else that's in here that's doing this tonight? Jenny, would you please stand, if you would? Anyone else? Would you pray for our students who are making these phone calls? I mean, it's, it's a daunting task to call how many churches are we, will we be calling? We will be calling 4,000 churches during the month of September and requesting requests from them and praying for revival. Praying for revival in their churches and on our campus. And I would invite the Colorado Springs churches to join us. Would you pray for our students as they make the phone calls? And perhaps you would even want to join us in that, that week of prayer, that 24-7. Dr. Laurel Matson heads that up for us, and uh, you can contact his office, and he'd be glad to put you on that time of prayer. We believe that God wants to do a mighty thing in our day. And we learned uh, that, that God hears the prayers of his people. 
And so tonight, would you open your hearts and receive what God has to say to us through his messenger tonight. Welcome, Dr. Hack. I once preached a message on a Sunday morning, and at the conclusion of that message, I left a challenge with my people. I, I asked them if they would just take a moment to open their hands in front of them And as they went through that exercise, try to visualize and try to focus on those things, that one thing that Jesus was asking them to be able to release in order for them to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. A week after I issued that challenge, I met with a young man who triumphantly shared with me his testimony of what he had placed in his hand On that Sunday morning, it was one of those thrilling moments for which every pastor lives. It was just a wonderful time that we shared together. And I didn't hesitate even for a moment to rejoice with what God was doing in that young man's obedient life. The very next week, however, I was confronted by that same young man. I could tell when I saw him that something Something was different. His entire demeanor had dramatically changed. As he walked toward me, he walked with his head down. And as he approached me and began speaking, he admitted defeat in his own life that something else had taken the place of that which just one week earlier now he had given to God by resolving to become that fully devoted follower. His heart was broken. And as I listened to his story, so was mine. I became aware in that moment that there are those unquestionable moments in life that significantly test our resolve and our determination to be and to do what God calls us to do, tells us to do. You know tonight, don't you, that following Jesus can be a cakewalk when he leads us through all those familiar terrains, and all of those comfortable passages. But when following Him requires us to give up something that is important to us, well, it's a different story. When following Him challenges everything that is familiar to us, everything that is comfortable in our lives, when it flies in the face of reason and our natural instincts, we we reach one of those strategic crossroads where, again, there are important decisions that need to be made. And I would suggest to you tonight that at every single moment in our lives that we choose to put following Jesus on hold, We jeopardize the integrity of that most important relationship of all relationships. Last night I highlighted a passage from Matthew chapter 4. In that passage we encounter Jesus as he approaches Peter and Andrew, interrupting their routine, disrupting their careers, challenging them. You'll remember the call, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. As they chose to follow Jesus on that day, it meant leaving everything that was familiar and comfortable for them behind. And on that day, when they heard the call so vividly communicated to them 
by Jesus. There was one thing that stood between them and following Jesus. It, it in essence, symbolized the choice between maintaining the status quo of how things always had been or living the life of unconditional following of Christ. That one thing I told you last night was their nets. If they would choose to follow Jesus, they would have to drop their nets behind them. And those nets, by the way, represented everything that was secure, everything that was comfortable. It represented their income. It represented all of the niceties of life. It represented everything that they had been trained to do with their lives. It was, in essence, their life, their livelihood that they were being asked to leave behind. And again, there was only one appropriate response. And that response last night I told you was, at once they dropped their nets and followed Him. Tonight what I want to say to you is that a net can be anything, it can be anyone that either inhibits or prohibits our non-negotiated commitment to follow Jesus. I believe that not a single person in this room tonight is exempt from becoming ensnared by the nets that are so familiar to us. Although, I must admit, sometimes it is surprising to see the kind of nets that people have allowed to entangle their desire to follow Jesus. I thought of one Old Testament example that I thought I would share with you tonight, and that's the Old Testament example of Jonah. I highlight Jonah for a lot of reasons, primarily because I believe that at that particular moment in time, he was God's best man for what God needed him to do. He had been carefully groomed. He had been carefully appointed for this role of spiritual leadership that he was being asked to exercise. He was at that time the epitome of a fully devoted follower. That is until he heard God say, follow me to Nineveh. And in that moment, Jonah paused at the crossroads of decision and consciously concluded that he was willing to do just about anything that God would ask him to do except that one thing. And so on the rebound, you remember this story? Jonah boarded a boat for Tarshish. Now what's significant about Tarshish is that it was in the exact opposite direction of where God had asked him to go to Nineveh. And as is often the case, Jonah would learn by his own experience that God is relentless in his pursuit of those who are to follow him. And God tracked Jonah down, sent a storm to try to wake him up and call him to his senses. Still, he stubbornly refused to listen. And when God finally got a hold of him and got him to listen and got him to agree to go to Nineveh, he used him in the most remarkable way. Still, here's the picture. Jonah, he's camped outside the city of Nineveh. Some would say, represented in Scripture, in suicidal despair. 
he had outwardly conformed to what God required of him to do. Did you hear me tonight? He outwardly conformed to what God had asked him to do. But his heart was kicking and screaming all the way. He's like that little boy who refused to sit down at the dinner table. I know you've heard the story. His parents just could not get him to sit down at the dinner table. Finally, his father got up and physically pushed him down in his seat and made him sit down at the dinner table. And then said, now don't you feel better sitting down? And with a scowl on his face, that little boy said, I'm still standing up inside. For Jonah, that was the heart of it all. Here's what the Word says, Jonah 4.2. That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, maybe you don't fully embrace or understand what he's saying here, but the essence of what he was saying is he hated the Ninevites so very much that he didn't want to be any part of a compassionate exchange between God and his enemy, Nineveh. He didn't want any part of that. And when he went and discharged what God had asked him and required him to do, and Nineveh repented, and God's judgment on that place was forestalled, Jonah was absolutely livid with disappointment, vehemently resisting the call of forgiveness and compassion and love and grace and mercy and all of those things that God was willing to show to that people. So isn't it interesting? It wasn't fear for his life at the hands of the violent men of Nineveh that troubled old Jonah. It wasn't intimidation at the prospect of preaching God's judgment at the capital of the world at that particular time, the powerhouse of the world. It wasn't a lack of trust in that God would go with him and be with him and help him with this very challenging assignment. It wasn't any of those things. It wasn't about comfort. It wasn't about convenience. It was a grudge against the Ninevites. It might help us to understand that the Assyrian Empire was a ruthless and violent adversary. Their violation of human rights makes the work of Saddam Hussein look like a Sunday school picnic, I suppose. They demonstrated total disregard for the dignity of life and conquered the territories around them, threatening the safety and the sovereignty of the nation of Israel. And as far as Jonah was concerned, there was no one in the world more or less worthy the grace and the compassion of God. He wanted nothing to do with them. And I say this is exactly the net that would snag Jonah's life. I want to tell you tonight that the call to follow Jesus is oftentimes dramatic. Maybe your story is that way. Sometimes the call to follow Jesus is difficult. And to respond to that call will sometimes demand dropping every single personal agenda in your life, regardless of how unsettling it might be for you to be able to do that. Because what we learn from God's Word is that Jonah's struggle is not that all that uncommon. And yet, for followers to go where Jesus leads them to go, 
the wherever is the challenging part of that. Because we don't always know when we start on the journey where it is that God wants us to go. And there is that impulse of resistance. There is that pull of the nets that can snag with good intentions. That can inhibit our spiritual growth. That can detour our obedience to go and to be and do what God asks us to do. So take a look at the palms of your hands tonight. What do you see running through your palms? See those lines there? You know what those lines represent? Now they don't represent lines that a palm reader will be able to study. They represent net burns. All of us have them. It comes from the increased tension of pulling on the nets. A reluctance to let go of the nets no matter how much tension there is. My question to you tonight is what is it that you hold in your hand that is standing between you becoming the fully devoted follower that Jesus needs for you to be? Tonight I want to tell you that people can be nets. A net might be forgiveness. It might be the knowledge of a fully devoted follower who forgives and you're required to forgive that person, but you just don't want to forgive that person. That net might very well represent a friend in your life who's chosen to walk down a path that you know is contrary to the way of Christ. And while a fully devoted follower is never a person who would desert a friend, it is possible that in becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ, it may cause you to look at that friend and no longer be comfortable with that friend or the friend with you. That net could be a person whom you refuse to love. That net could be someone with whom you just don't want to deal And here's where it really gets kind of touchy and sticky. And that could be your husband. Could be your wife. Could be a child. People can be nets. Things can be nets. And a net can, of course, be those possessions that have become symbols of our significance in the world today. A car, a house, a cottage, a lake, a wardrobe, a membership at the club. And it's not that any of those things are wrong if they're rightly gained, but they're things that should be very loosely held. Just think about it. What if those things become more important than your financial faithfulness to the kingdom of God? What if those things become more important than following Jesus? What if those things become a source of pride in your life? What if those things separate you from other people? What if those things are obtained through greed and the loss of your integrity? What if those things create a financial burden in your life and become a source of Your sufficiency apart from Christ in whom you do all things. You see, whatever things inhibit or prohibit our capacity to follow Jesus are nets that easily entangle and easily enslave us. Things can be nets. Plans can be nets. Now, I love to plan. 
In fact, I operate on the premise that says if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Planning is an important part of my life. And while all of those plans are important, plans for retirement, plans for your family, for vacation, for your corporate climb up the ladder, all those things are good and fine. But what happens when following Jesus interrupts those plans or runs headlong into conflict with those plans? What if he permits health crisis, financial reversals in our lives, a career change, a new step in ministry? You see what I mean? Plans can be nets too. I think attitudes can be nets. I mean, so much about following Jesus as a fully devoted follower begins and ends with your attitude, the way that you think. Serving, caring, understanding, trusting. Those are attitudes that are reflected through the life that you live. Through the life that you share with others. Now many have unfortunately learned to use lesser attitudes to manage their lives. And and some choose to just manipulate other people as a result. Those attitudes that concern And consider others' needs above our own needs. Those are the important things that really count. I'm talking about that tendency to be insensitive. The tendency to be quick to judge. The tendency to be cynical or suspicious. Those are the kinds of things that contradict the very Spirit of Christ. And so changing those attitudes, you see, is really just the starting point what it means to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Money can be nets. When you stop to consider all that money represents in our lives today, it becomes apparent that it is an entangler of great consequence for most people. There are some who just like to accumulate money, lots of it. Most see money as a key to their security, maybe to their success, maybe even to their significance or their fulfillment in life. It's not at all uncommon to hear people recount concern that if they commit themselves fully as a devoted follower of Christ, it just might threaten the treasury of their lives. I've heard people say that very thing, and the truth of the matter is it probably will. No, it's even stronger than that. It most definitely will. And that's why money is such a strategic net. When we're finally able to drop that net, many of the other nets can be dropped with much greater ease. Jesus must have known what an incredible grip money could have on us. And that's why he says more on this one topic in his teaching than just about any other. Money can be a net. Secret sins can also be. Be nets. I'm talking tonight about that constant downward pull of secret sin that is perhaps the most debilitating thing that you can experience in life. Involvement with pornography, the affair that you think is so quiet, nobody knows about, the other life that's lived on the business trip. Stealing from your employer. Whatever it is, 
It's a major snare. And dropping your nets may involve confession to God and sometimes even confession to other people. I'm gratefully thoughtful this evening that I've observed how Jesus can consistently call us away from everything and anything that stands between us and Him. Because it's a call to total surrender. Not just this peace or that peace. The call that He gives to us leaves no room for guessing. There's no wondering which peace He will require next. Because when He looks at us, He's looking for netless hands. A fully devoted follower of Christ has netless hands. The songwriter Judson Van Venter said it best. His uh, lyrics are much more familiar to us than his name. You'll recognize these. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. You see, friends, the essence of following, it's not about a project. It's about a person. The essence of following is not about a task. It's about the trustworthiness of Jesus who issues the call. And it's His cause that becomes the focus of the call. Dropping our nets to follow Jesus really does boil down to a matter of values. Every choice that we make in life is a graphic demonstration of the values that drive our lives. Every single time that we refuse to drop a net because it's something that we treasure, we tell Him that we treasure it more than we treasure Him. Hearts that are growing in love with Jesus, I'm convinced, produce hands that are completely empty of nets. So tonight, would you, would you just play along with me and take a look at your hands tonight? Can you see the rope burns from the strain of the nets? That you're struggling to hold on to? Can you see in your hands tonight the nets that are entangling your desire to be a fully devoted follower of Christ? If you can, if you can, then why don't you tonight choose to drop your nets at the feet of Jesus? Would you stand, please? We're going to sing song that talks about making that kind of consecration tonight. And I recognize that there is a wide variety of needs that are represented in this place tonight. There are a wide variety of different folks who are here at different stages of their calling. God deals with us at a very personal level. And if tonight you've identified a net 
or the evidence of a net in your hand that you need to drop before him. And we're going to sing this hymn of invitation. If you'd like to come, you, you come and bring this symbolically representing your desire to drop that net at the feet of Jesus tonight as we sing.
powerful message tonight. So clear. Um, Don't let it get away from you when you leave here. Tonight. Don't let what we heard tonight escape your heart and what the Spirit is saying to us. Father, your servant has faithfully brought your word to our minds and hearts tonight. amazing how your Holy Spirit speaks. We receive what you have taught us tonight, Lord. We really don't want to let it go. That truth that has penetrated our very being. Lord, May we let go of the nets. And take hold of you. In the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. God bless you for his peace.